0: Hello, and welcome to The Cost of Health, brought to you by the North Carolina Coalition for Fiscal Health. I'm your host and executive director of the coalition, Michael Kraskin. Today on the show, you'll hear part two of my conversation with North Carolina's Secretary of Health and Human Services, Dr. Mandy Cohen. In part one of our conversation, Secretary Cohen shared her vision of a North Carolina with expanded access to health insurance and told stories of real North Carolinians who could be helped by her plan. If you haven't listened, I recommend you go back in our podcast feed and check it out. Today, in part two of our conversation, you'll hear Secretary Cohen discuss her feelings about work requirements, the role of tobacco, and the difference between investing in health care and investing in health. So, Secretary Cohen, a lot of the examples you gave were of people who are currently employed, Uh, but of course, a lot of the dialogue in state expansion has been around adding work requirements Mm. to Medicaid expansion. Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: This is a healthcare program, right? This is trying to get folks healthy, like philosophically. But okay, let's leave and leave the philosophy of that aside and just go to the practicality of like I said, I want government to be efficient we already know folks income that means they have income that means they're working and so what we've seen in the other states that have tried to do some of these implementation of work requirements is it, that it is so expensive to actually do to set up the or the infrastructure to get everyone to report their their work you spend more on that than than the few people who aren't working in in the system it's like a it it just it doesn't make any sense. But at the same time, like if that's what it takes to help everyone say, I I feel comfortable with this. You know, I am willing to have that conversation. I don't love it. I, I don't I don't think that's where we should go. I think it's a misallocation of resources. And everyone wants us to spend our dollars wisely. But if that's what it takes, you know, both the governor and I have said that, you know, we're willing to talk about what that could look like. Now, I I can't have folks who are caring for dependent children subject to the same kinds of work requirements. There are folks who are suffering from the opioid crisis, right? At some point, I need to get folks real treatment. And then, you know, the, the expectation is, of course, they, they wanna go back to work. These are folks who want to work. And so how do we get them healthy enough to be able to work and, and, and hold a job? But like I said, I'm open to understanding what that solution is looking like. You know, I know that the House uh, Republicans uh, introduced legislation that, that looked at cov- covering everyone with a work requirement. You know, not my favorite, but th- this is the reality of where we are. And I think that I look forward to continuing that. I think that was a legitimate place to start our dialogue, I hope we can move forward from that. And like I said, if that's what it will take to make everyone feel comfortable that that these folks are working, even though we, we know they are, but if we have to do it, we'll have to do it.
0: Do you think there's any kind of social stigma associated with the term Medicaid that could cause this to be an uphill climb, especially with some of the, the types of workers that you're describing, people who might not see themselves as being Medicaid recipients? Yeah,
1: I think, I think that's a good point. And we have, a, we have a branding issue. A number of states have, have re- rebranded to try to help folks not feel quite that same stigma. But, you know, when we actually go out and we do some focus groups around what do you think of the Medicaid program, what do you actually think of Medicaid expansion, Actually, people are like, yeah, I like Medicaid. That makes sense. I mean, folks need access to insurance, and the reason was Medicaid is mostly program for children, (laughs) for for the disabled in our community, and for folks. Right? You know, it's insurance. It's insurance. There's a particular word. Some, you know, maybe we we will think about. you know branding, but I hope that we can just all all say like folks should get access to insurance, no matter whether it comes through Medicare, your employer, or ho- the the veteran, sir. You know through the through the VA or what have you. Just one one amongst many options.
0: There was a plan introduced by the Republican side in the General Assembly recently that would expand health coverage. They're not necessarily calling it a Medicaid expansion, mm-hmm. but I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that or uh, if you've looked at it. Yeah, no,
1: I have. Um, you know, I think they're 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 trying to be really thoughtful that this is a hard issue and I think they're trying to create a North Carolina solution that could get folks access to care but help folks feel comfort that folks are working and and that we're not disincentivizing work. And like I said earlier now, I, I don't think work has any part in here. We know these are folks with income and by by necessity are, are working They may not be working full-time and then we have some folks like I said who are really impacted like an opioid crisis and are going through an addiction and like what I need is to, to help them get well so they can go back to work all that being said I you know done careful reading now of the of the proposal I and I think that I think it is a worthy place for us to have the the, the conversation and I think it is a a very strong response to the what I've seen from the other side of the aisle, which is, you know, expansion that's clean, which I support. And so I I think this is a good first step to having that conversation about what is a North Carolina solution to to solving the coverage gap look like. Um, So I look forward to working with them in the House. I thought it was great. You know, it wasn't just, you know, two or three sponsors. They got 22 or 23 Republican co-sponsors. This is a bipartisan issue. And that's what I think is exciting and that folks are, um, you know, seeing what has happened in so many states, whether, you know, it's in Arizona or in Ohio or in Michigan or, you know, th- you know, we are really unfortunately now the outlier of states that hasn't uh, gone gone down this path in terms of expansion. So I'm, I'm happy to see this, you know, this dialogue and this momentum with, you know, 22, 23 um, Republican co-sponsors in the House. So we just need, need some movement. Got I hope they, they, they keep it up and keep things uh, moving and we can continue to have this dialogue, I think it's the right thing to do to, for North Carolina.
0: One thing that we know raises health care costs is tobacco use, mm. and Medicaid recipients have a higher rate of tobacco use than the population. We're a tobacco state. And we are a tobacco state. <laughs> what is the state doing to help lower this rate, and, and what more do you think we could be doing?
1: So... It's a really important public health issue. And within my department, we also run um, the public health work here in the in the state. And our, our team has been working on tobacco cessation and um, for many, many years. And I think it made a lot of progress in both changing the laws and changing the folks understanding that tobacco is not good. What we are seeing actually is a rise in our teenagers vaping and and so that is definitely of, of concern. But so we have the classic things that you should have like quitline, easy access to nicotine replacement therapy at no cost to folks. You know, we when you're ready to quit, we want to be there, right with you, helping you, no barriers. Um, so I think all of those are good. We've learned a lot about the advertising kind side of this, and like how do you talk about prevention messages to kids, the truth campaign, and what have you. Um, and different messages work for different folks. Sometimes you've got to really scare them. Sometimes you got to get and be their friend. <laughs> whatever it, t- I'm like whatever it takes. With with all of these flavored tobaccos now that are, are more appealing to to kids because they taste better. Like we have to re-up our vigilance around tobacco particularly in the in the face of vaping and what we're seeing in terms of increased numbers with our, our teenagers so we're we're definitely focused on it and i have some incredible team members on our public health team who have run huge tobacco campaigns in different parts of the country and so they're here kind of to uh, uh step up our game here in north carolina
0: well as a parent of three thank you <laughs> I appreciate that immensely yeah. I wanted to ask you about uh, social determinants of health. Can you talk a little bit about how that, and you can tie this back to Medicaid or not, mm-hmm. but how that would impact health care costs for businesses and families in North Carolina?
1: Sure. So for those who don't know the very opaque term of social determinants of health, these are essentially the things that we all know drive your health, but often sit outside of health care. So we very much know that Health, actual health care, and I'm a doctor, so sometimes that makes me sad, that health care only drives about 20% of your overall health. 80% of your health is driven by things that make sense once you say them out loud. The food you eat, your genetics, uh, the air you breathe, right? Going back to tobacco, are you breathing tobacco smoke or are you not, right? So, We know those are the kinds of things like stable housing, does your house have mold in it, right? Those things all matter towards your health. And so we are putting a big focus on the fact that there are these other drivers of health. And as I step back and think about the job I was asked to do by the governor, which is to build a healthier North Carolina, you have to think, well, am I using all of my levers to actually buy us health? Or am I just buying us health care? And, you know, when you really look at it, I was buying a lot of health care. Right. I didn't think I was buying us enough health. And the numbers bear that out. We, we rank in terms of overall healthiness of the state of North Carolina, we rank 37 out of 50. Mm-hmm. That's not great. I'm very competitive. I don't yeah. like to be average. This is below average. Yikes. We, we have some, some work to do. So you start to think, okay, if I'm not buying health and I'm just buying health care, well, what are those, what, what can we do differently? And this is where I, th- I think there's a lot of opportunity to both make things more affordable as we drive towards health. Because we're buying things that aren't actually making us healthier. And what I want to do is make, make us healthier. Here's a great example. Kids. Back to our kids in our, in our Medicaid program. A lot of our kids have asthma. Pretty common. Kids with more severe asthma, unfortunately, get asthma exacerbations and wind up in the emergency room a lot. We already talked about that. Where is an expensive place to get care? The emergency room, right? So instead of just continuing to pay for emergency room visits, I want to do something different. And that's been piloted here in North Carolina already. So for kids with severe asthma, instead of just on that hamster wheel of just paying for the asthma exacerbation, let's go to their home, let's rip up their carpet, put down new carpet and give them an air filter. And I want to pay for that because not every family can just afford to do house renovations the drop of a hat and what happens is the kids get less asthma exacerbations they're in the emergency room less they're at school learning mom and dad are at work right and and i'm spending less health care dollars so how how do we think about interventions like that where i use our health care dollars to actually buy carpet right that's what i want to buy i want to I want to buy something that's actually going to drive someone's health. And so then think about the, the next examples of those things. What kinds of transportation things do I want to buy? What, what other kinds of food interventions, right? I can't, we can spend all money on the fanciest diabetic medicines we want. If they're going home and not having fresh fruits and vegetables, we have a disconnect, right? It's almost like we're getting to the two-yard line, and then we're just like completely missing the boat. <laughs> I'm like, the goal is, is health. And we've gotten all the health care, but we don't actually get into the end zone of health. And so, how do we think about using our dollars differently? And some of that, I think, honestly, as a first step, is not even something new. It's really that there are resources out in our community. We have great community organizations, whether it's food banks or faith based organizations that help folks navigate some, when they're having challenges but we don't often connect it to what's going on in healthcare. We sort of just live in our silos. This is my experience as a doctor. It's like I didn't know any community organizations as a doctor and frankly, I tell a story often of like this important patient that I I saw but when I didn't even ask her about what was going on in her real life about her food security. I ordered a lot of tests. I ordered a lot of imaging, CAT scans. I was about to send her to specialists. But what I forgot to ask was, are you running out of food? And that was actually at the core of her issues. I won't make that mistake again. And I want to think about how do we systematize that? I don't think it's bad people. I, I think i'm a good person and i didn't <laughs> i did not get it right i'm a good person i'm trying hard but i was trying hard in my silo right. and we got to break down past that and so we are making some pretty big investments in the state to try to break down those silos we are uh, one of them is investing in a private public partnership called nc care 360 oh, yeah. i'm super excited about this we are live in three counties cone health was sort of our anchor institution they've been amazing their team just creative and thinking about how we do this essentially it it is the same way in which as a doctor, I would refer someone to a cardiologist. I would be able to refer someone to a food bank, right? If, if they said, yeah, doc, actually, thank you for asking. I am running out of food at the end of the month. And I go, oh goodness, let's, let's do something about it. Before what I would do as a, a doctor, I'd Google. Right? I go, hey, what's when, food banks around in your zip code? What w-? And I'd, like, print something out from the Internet and be like, ah, I hope that works out for you, right? No feedback on, like, did she actually make it to the food bank? I don't know. This, NC Care 360, gives you an ability to refer. You know what? What food bank they, that is going to help them get their food resource, and then you actually know did they get the resource because you're going to have an ongoing relationship. So, I'm excited about it not just for the IT platform, but because of the new relationships that are being formed between the healthcare system and and our community organizations who are fantastic and doing hard work out there but i think it's going to be mutually beneficial to to both i think to have that deeper connection to the the food banks want to know that the folks that they are seeing there are going to get the care that they need we're all connecting the dots so i'm pretty excited about nc care 360 keep keep an eye out for it
0: uh we will coming to to a town near you (laughs) soon (laughs) do you want to give a shout out to some of your partners on that or
1: um united way 211 and unite us unite us has sort of the platform united way has all the the relationships with the community in terms of the community organization so it's a great partnership i think they're approaching the work in the right way and we've had support from everyone from blue cross blue shield in terms of financing duke Endowment, others who you know have done some great philanthropic um, investments i still looking for more for you out there if you're interested in this um, so that I can accelerate the work um, and get the entire state on this shared platform. I think it'll be exciting.
0: We'll certainly provide a link in the show notes and on the blog post that Great. will accompany this. Secretary Cohen, thank you so much for your time today. Sure. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Secretary Cohen. Medicaid expansion is a big decision for our state and could have significant impacts on health care costs for all of us. As Secretary Cohen said, it is important that if we move in that direction, we do it in a way that is thoughtful and right for North Carolina. <laughs> We would love to hear your thoughts on this or any other health cost related topic. Please feel free to reach out to me at Michael at FiscalHealthNC.com or on Twitter at MichaelCK. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and tell your friends. And as always, if you have a story to share about healthcare costs, please let us know.